Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of the yard. It's one of those things, too. It's it's almost like being out for Christmas break. You know, we didn't have Mike Leach on Monday. We didn't have player interviews on Tuesday. We won't have coaching interviews today on Wednesday. So I'm not sure what day it is. I had to remind myself, hey, it's recording day. And then I began to think, well, there's not a lot to talk about. But there is. So I turned to you on our jeanspage.com true maroon board. And I said, hey, we'll do a mailbag show today. So we're going to change the format up a little bit. Going to answer your questions. We're going to you know, do our regular ad reads. So there won't be a top 10 list today. Some of you people are happy about that. Some of you aren't. But we're going to go through your questions, and I'm going to give you answers. Now, I, I will say this. The, uh, I've done this show before, and sometimes it takes me a little longer to get through all the questions. And I do my best to get through all the questions. 
Some of them are repetitive, but we're going to knock them out. Before we do, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. Probably going to get dinner there tonight and probably get it to go. Sometimes I can be a bit reclusive. May get it for dinner tonight, kind of leaning towards the Bryant. Not sure yet. You know how it is, that moment of truth. Like you think, oh, well, now I've got to make the big decision because I don't know when I'm eating Bulldog Burger Company again. I want to mess this up, right? I got to make sure I satisfy the craving. They have something that will satisfy each of your cravings. That's the best thing about a place like Bulldog Burger Company. The best place to get a great restaurant quality hamburger in these parts. Be sure and check them out today. Three great locations to serve your University Drive here in Star Vegas with that fabulous new patio area. And it's good patio weather now, too. Gloucester Drive there in Tupelo, and then the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Have the spring rolls at your appetizer. They'll make you better looking. In addition to, they're extremely tasty. And then get that chocolate shake to go. I'm a big fan of a dessert to go. Right, because a lot of times I'm in a hurry, but I want to have a bit of a palate cleanser. About 10 minutes, when you, when you feel like you're getting close, go ahead and let them know, hey, that way when you pay your check, you can walk out of that chocolate shake, and you'll feel great. Your whole day will turn around. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Now, I posted the thread over on our True Maroon football message board. We have multiple boards over there. Some other, some other sites don't. We do because we get a lot of traffic. There's some other network uh, sites that just have the one board, and then you've got to go four and five pages back to find the conversation you were reading earlier today. We try to make it a little bit easier for you. So uh, let's jump right in. Pretty exciting stuff here, for sure. All right, so this was the disclaimer that I had. I said, it's a bi-week boneyard. So we're going to do things differently. Just posted the questions in a thread. They don't have to be state-related. They could be team. They could be recruiting, hair care tips, 80s metal. All that was encouraged. And now it's time. It's time for us to take a look at what you guys want to know. The very first question, is Caleb Cunningham a state fan? Now, many of you are saying, Steve, who's Caleb Cunningham? Well, Caleb Cunningham could be the best in-state wide receiver prospect from the state of Mississippi since A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown, in in my career, is the second best wide receiver prospect in the state of Mississippi. That's the company of which Caleb Cunningham exists at this point. You'd say, but Steve, who is number one? We'll get to that later. So one of our listeners had a question along those lines. So Caleb Cunningham is a 2024 five-star receiver from Choctaw County High School right outside of Ackerman, Mississippi there. And I am told, yes, that uh, he did grow up kind of cheering for the Bulldogs, but that will not be a major factor in his decision. There are a lot of people, of course, that, uh, you know, like my kids, to be for an example, you know, hey, they're going to Mississippi State. You know, my, my youngest one's still making a decision. He's not an athlete. Well, he is, but uh, he's not a recruited athlete. But Caleb Cunningham does have some affection for Mississippi State. How much of that matters remains to be seen. This is a young man that has already exploded on the scene. He is a five-star receiver, rated a 99 by 247 Sports. Got a ton of early offers. Mississippi State was the first. 
But you run it back down here. I mean, it's, you know, Florida State, Florida, Ole Miss, Oregon, Georgia, Alabama. And he's traveled some, too. He's been out and seen some of these places in person. Excuse me, he's 2025. Pardon me. But he's already a five-star kid, and uh, 247 Sports has him ranked 99.48. Now, that'll fluctuate a little bit, but currently rated as the number two wide receiver in the country. So I don't know how much it matters. Now, and here's another thing, too, especially with small-town Mississippi guys. In the beginning of this process, everybody says, I will go anywhere to play college football. And they mean it. They do. They just haven't lived long enough yet, right? But they mean it when they say it. And then in the end, they pick a school closer to home and say, well, it's close to home. I'll be able to share it with my friends and family. Because what happens, the reality of that commitment sometimes doesn't really, you know, weigh on your shoulders until it's time to go. I mean, we dealt with that with the Carlos Nicholson last year. It's easy to be committed to Kentucky or to Oregon, in Percy Lewis's case, during the spring months. It's easy. It's easy to be committed during the summer. And then all of a sudden you get into the season and you're playing football and it's like all of a sudden, wait a minute. I got to pack up and leave and go all the way across the country here in a couple weeks. Reality sets in. You know, maybe I need to reach back out to Coach McBath. Maybe I need to talk to Coach Miller. Maybe I don't want to go that far away from home. You know, especially if you've got friends or a girlfriend or, you know, you've got a relationship perhaps that you're not ready to, uh, to maybe put through the rigors of a long-distance relationship. I get it. So, you know, we'll see. We've got a long time to kind of watch young Mr. Cunningham. And uh, you'd like to think that with Mississippi State's offense, we'd be, we'd be a factor. Yeah, we'll see. All right, next question. Do you think the air raid, as we run it now, will work against competent defenses long term? Okay, the answer to that question is yes. However, in order for us to take the next step and chase the elite defenses in this conference – I think you got to be a little more innovative. And I think you don't need me to tell you some of the things you see yourself. And this is in no way a criticism of current players. But I think what you saw with Bryce Young last week against Mississippi State is an example of what a more mobile quarterback can open up for you in an offense like this. Now, Alabama doesn't run the air raid, but how many times were they able to, you know, buy time? Because at some point the coverage breaks down, right? When you've got that mobile quarterback, it really puts a lot of pressure on the secondary. When you got a guy that can get outside and buy himself some time and allow guys to work back, I think that is the evolution. You look at what Kyler Murray had done at, at, uh, with the Cardinals, right? And he's you know, playing for Cliff Kingsbury, a you know, disciple of the air raid offense. And so I think, yeah, if we continue to do what we've, what we've done, you know, we'll continue to be a 7-8 win team. I'm, I'm not content with that, and I know most of you aren't either. I, I'm not happy just going to bowl games. Now, back in the 80s, it was different. I Just give me a bowl game anywhere. Just give me a winning season, right? But I think in order for us to really compete and challenge in the West and potentially go to Atlanta and New Year's Six, stuff like that, I think we have to be more mobile at quarterback. Now, some of you will interpret that as me being critical of Will Rogers, and I'm not. I'm not being critical of Will. He's never been a dual-threat quarterback. He fits what Mike Leach has always done. However, 
with teams running, you know, a three-two-six type scheme, you got to have more speed on the field. You do. You get more people at times that uh, are out in coverage, and so you got to do some things. I think that bring some advantage. So, if we run it is now, will it work against a competent defense? Yes. Will it work against elite defenses? I don't think so. All right, can you do a quick list of how you think the class will finish up? Well, that's a great question, and I don't know that I've got a great answer. So I'll share with you what I believe will happen in many respects. Like, if, okay, if you look at what State has right now, and there, there's work being done here, so don't, don't think like somebody's here to get me. All right, you have 16 commitments. I expect State's class to settle around 29, 25, excuse me. So you got nine more spots to work with, and, of course, there will be some ebb and flow with the portal. You may have some guys leave, which may open up opportunities for other guys to come in. But the reality of it is, I think it'll settle somewhere around 9 to 10 new members of this class. As it runs down today, you've got a quarterback, a running back. I think based on what you know about the possibility of one or two of your running backs going pro and one or two of your running backs going in the portal, I think it's got to be a two-running back class. And I think you have to go out and get a guy that is a complimentary back uh, to Seth. I, I don't – you know, you've got to go out, I think, and get that guy like a Dante Dowdell. I think that is a guy that's a perfect fit. I've said before we should have offered him back in February and March, and he just figured out. But I suspect you'll see a second running back in this class. Is that a junior college guy? I mean, do you get in a situation where what if, what if Woody and DJ – all both go pro, and then Hargrove goes in the portal. Well, then I think you've got to go sign two high school backs and maybe even get you a guy out of the portal yourself, and maybe you get that guy in January. I don't know. But I think you, conceivably you could see three running backs in the class. I don't expect that, but that is a possibility. You have three receivers now committed in this class. I suspect – you'll take at least one more. And under the right circumstances, take another one. Now, I know that, Steve, well, you know, why would we take five receivers? You know, we are pretty wide receiver heavy, but that's kind of the way the scheme works. And I won't be surprised if one guy leaves. So I think you adjust, you know, in time for spring practice. But absolutely, I think you take one more wide receiver for sure and then possibly another. Offensive line, four is a certainty, five is a possibility. Now, here's the thing that I think it's important to understand, too. A lot of people say, we'll just go get in a portal. Okay, well, we've done it last year. Do you, you remember how frustrating offensive line recruiting was in a portal last year? It's so you, you go find a guy from Sacred Heart, FCS guy, probably NFL prospect, the next thing you know, there's, the kid has 25 offers, and he's got 10 days to make a decision. It's difficult. Now, if there is a guy out there that has a connection to Mississippi or a connection to Mississippi State or a connection to our staff, then, then absolutely you pursue that. But when you consider what we have coming back, I think it's going to be very difficult for us to get an offensive lineman that can contribute. I think you can always go get a body, right? And you're just basically paying for a walk-on. But look at last year, State lost both tackles and you couldn't get a tackle in the portal. You are one of 14 SEC schools with two starting tackle spots open, and you couldn't get an offensive tackle. Now, does that say something about the staff? Maybe. But I think it says more about the portal and the fact that what happens is those guys at premium positions are going to have a lot of options. 
And I think Mississippi State maybe doesn't move the needle with some of those guys. So I, I feel confident you'll get one more and maybe a junior college guy, maybe. But four is a certainty, five a possibility. On the defensive line, you only got one guy committed. That's Joseph Head, who was one of the first commitments in the class, one of the first guys in Mississippi to announce his decision. I feel really good about Gabe Moore from Louisville High School. Really like him a lot. I think he slides in the inside and plays on the interior. I think that he is a guy that will probably put on 40 pounds of muscle here in the next couple of years. I think State gets him. Caleb Bryant's a guy from Vicksburg, of course, that State's been on for a while. And, you know, he wants to visit USC. He wants to go all these places. I, I suspect you're going to see his official visit schedule change a lot in the final weeks of this situation. I, I really do. He was previously committed to Utah. The day that he announced it, I said on our message board, there's no way this thing sticks. It didn't. He's an impressionable young man. He's recently attended a Mississippi State home game. So, State's still on him. But I was told in the beginning it's going to be a three D lineman class, but it may end up being four. There are some D1 bounce backs that are in junior college. You can say, well, Steve, why don't we just go get a guy to Portland? Maybe we will. But there are some other guys in the Mississippi Junior College system that are bounce backs. So that's important to kind of get two. Linebackers, I think we're good at backer. We have three. Does there emerge a best available spot on defense for LaKendrick James? At this point, I don't think so. I think if that happens, you probably use it you know, on a safety or a defensive lineman. And I like, I like that the D-line class from last year. I really do. You know, Trevion Williams, Calvin Dinkins, and then you got Ty Cooper from the year before. Deontay Anderson, you've got some young guys, and that brings up an argument. I mean, maybe they should have played more this year, but I think many of the games have been kind of nip and tuck until late. And so hopefully they play a lot against East Tennessee State. We can rest guys and get ready for, um, for the battle for the Golden Egg. Defensive back, this is where I think you're going to see a lot of traffic down the stretch here. State with just a couple defensive backs, uh, you know, committed at this point. I love Jalen Abram. I love – Kelly Jones, I love Dante Kelly. They're all somewhat developmental guys. I guess it's technically it's three defensive backs. But you're going to need some more. And I, I look for State to be really, really, really heavy in the, uh, in the safety market here late. And there, there's some guys out there playing corner on the high school level that are going to be safeties. But when you begin to think about, you know, you look at, so, you know, Jalen Green, He'll be moving on. Asias Verge, moving on. Marcus Banks still be around. Uh, Sean Preston, Colin Duncan. You got some guys that are moving. Our, our scholarship distribution thing, I, I work on this thing from time to time, and for some, somebody goes back and helps me, and they mess a lot of stuff up, and I have to go back and fix it again. So I, for those of you that go look at the scholarship distribution report, I will go back and fix this thing again. I'll commit some time to it tomorrow, and I'll get that fixed. It's, I mean, I'm looking at it now, and I can't make heads or tails of it. And a lot of it's because of the COVID stuff. And, and, again, I don't know why people want to go help me. Just leave it alone. Let me handle it. Let me handle it. All right. So, and, again, I don't think we scholarship a kicker or a punter unless we go get somebody at the portal late. All right. Uh, percentages of landing the following. Isaac Smith, I, I, I still think that's probably somewhere around 80%. And I hate to even quantify, you know, percentages. Uh, but I think State is going to get Isaac Smith. Yes, both of his parents uh, attended Ole Miss. Ole Miss is kind of trying to rekindle the relationship there. We'll see how things go. 
But for a while there, they didn't really recruit him. And so they're coming in late, and uh, Ole Miss obviously already has some safeties committed. Isaac Smith, of course, is being courted by Mississippi State as a guy that could potentially pay as a true freshman and which State's needs at a safety position. There's obviously an opportunity there to play next year. Dante Dowdell, I would still say – I would still say this is probably around 60%. I think it's better than 50-50, but not much. I think deep down, he's always wanted to be a Bulldog. And, I, and then you, it's kind of like the Isaac Smith thing. It's like Isaac Smith you know, grew up a rebel in a rebel household, and then they didn't really show him a lot of love. And so it's like the reverse here. Dante Daldell, State has recruited him, and there have been a few guys that have stayed in contact with him throughout the process, but State only recently offered him. So I think you're, you're making up for lost time here. It's a similar situation, though. I think State's done a great job with Isaac Smith throughout the process and recruited him harder than anybody. But the Dante Daldell situation is much different in that respect. You know, State, I think, was not on him early enough, and so you're playing from behind. Caleb Bryant – I think he's going to keep everybody guessing until signing day. I, I, would, I would say it's about 50% there. Now, Gid Perkins, I love Gid Perkins. I do. He's committed to Ole Miss, has been for a long time. He's listed under the name Sunterine Perkins. He's out of Raleigh High School. Love his game. I think he's a linebacker on the next level. I think State's chances of getting him are about 10%. There's talk that he may take an official visit here. Things may change with him. He's got a lot of Ole Miss people around him, and I don't mean that in a negative connotation. Dante Moncrief went to Raleigh High School, and Dante is a hero to those kids at Raleigh, as well he should be, right? Great young guy that uh, had a great college career and then, you know, was in the NFL for a handful of years, was even a Pittsburgh Steeler for a while. Uh, I'm a Dante Moncrief fan. And so I get it. I understand it. It's like, hey, this guy went to Ole Miss. He went to the NFL. If it was good enough for Dante, it's good enough for me. So, I think, you know, again, State, I think he's done a good job making this interesting. I just think in the end he's going to have a tough time pulling that off. May end up at Alabama, but I don't think he's going to end up at Mississippi State. Another question, I know signing day is a little ways away, but do you think we have a chance of any surprise commitments or flips? If you're meaning in our direction, I say yes. I think, and I don't want to get too deep in the jug here, right? But there's a couple guys out there, one in particular that's uh, you know, committed to, let's say, another school that you're familiar with, that has had regular conversations with Mississippi State that could be intriguing, and we'll see. But, you know, you look at Dante Daldell, you know, he's committed you know, to Oregon. You know, so that would technically be considered a flip. I don't know that it would be a huge surprise at this point. But uh, I also never rule out Steve Spurrier Jr., right? Never, ever. Because Spurrier is always on the hunt. Spurrier is always out there, you know, big game hunting. And so I won't be the least bit surprised at all to see him come up with a late name. You know, he went and got Ra Ra, he got Simeon Price, Antonio Harmon, of course. Then he comes up with Makai Polk. I mean, so, you know, I, I never discount the efforts of C. Spurrier Jr. And there's always a guy that kind of pops up late, like last year with Justin Robinson, eventually Jordan Mosley. You know, so it's like that. You can't ever just say, hey, we've got it all figured out because Spurrier is such a, a wild card. You never know what he's going to come up with. All right, our next question, and there are several here from my friend Dog Season 12, one of, one of the great contributors to our message board community, a guy that's obsessed with receivers. 
All right, Steve, what is your stance on the banner logo for athletics? Do you believe it's time to move on to a more fan-crave logo like the script state when it's so obvious a lot of the fan base share varying levels of disdain for the banner logo on athletic uniforms? All right, so here is my honest assessment of this. I think that the banner logo is an absolutely perfect logo for the university. Like when you give out those tie clips and you know, lapel pins and things like that, I think it's perfect. Put it on the diploma, whatever. I think the it would be well served as the official logo of the university. I just don't think it works as well on the athletic uniforms. I have never in my life purchased an M-State banner hat. Never. Now, I don't wear a lot of hats these days, but I bought a lot of hats. Now, when my, when my boys are picking out hats, I want to pick out their own stuff. But when I was wearing caps, I've, all, you know, I've always gone with a trusty M over S, or I'll find one that says state or dogs on it. I like the script state thing, but I've never bought an M State banner hat. And this is a guy that, I mean, if I look around here, I probably got, I don't know, 40 or 50 hats, and none of them have an M State banner on them, with one exception. I think it's some, one that somebody gave me at a speaking engagement. That's it. So I think it is perfect, very distinguished, clean-looking logo for the university. I think it looks great on a lapel pin. I do. I think it's great. I think it looks great at a formal dinner. I just think athletics should be fun. Uh, I like the script state. I'm not married to it. I like the interlocking MSU. I do. But I think my honest opinion is, I think you got to make something that's young and fun for recruits. Now, some people would say, Steve, if we muddy the water then, then our branding is somewhat, you know, cloudy. And I think if you do a good job with it and you brand yourself, even if you change your logo up a little bit, that's good. I think you want to be the cool school. I think that's what works. Not to mention, you're going to sell a lot more merch that way. Let me be honest with you. Nobody is running out to go buy another M-State banner shirt or polo. Now, you know, when it gets down to Christmas time and you got to go get something, you may end up with one of those. But all of a sudden, if you released, hey, we're going to do this for 90 days or whatever, you know, hey, new state script polos, you're going to have a lot of people be motivated and say, dude, i got to have that. I'm going to go get that. And so that's ladder of awareness marketing 101 right there. So we're going to make you guys aware, hey, maybe we do it for a limited time. Or maybe once a year we roll out something new, like the vault collection is great. But I think the best way to brand yourself is to have people wearing your brand. And then you, when people are going out and buying new clothes, they're more likely to wear them than that old dusty polo in the back of the closet. Let, 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 let me give an example here. Dog season, hang in here with me. Gene Simmons of Kiss, the legend himself, the demon Gene Simmons does not wear other bands' logos. He doesn't. He said, why would you ever want to market for somebody else? Now, Kiss has basically had the same logo forever and a day for going on, you know, 45, 50 years. But they bring changes to it. Now, the Kiss itself remains. But... You go look at the, the album covers and the shirts and everything else. There is always something to make it fresh. That's where we are. 
We have got to do things to make it fresh because why would people continue to buy Kiss merchandise? I mean, think about it. I mean, Kiss has been you know doing making music for what fifty years now, and every time I turn around, I see somebody with a new Kiss shirt. Well, it's the same old Kiss shirt. I've got a Kiss Destroyer shirt that I bought last year. Why are people continuing to buy Kiss merchandise? Kiss hadn't put out any new music in forever. It's because people want to identify with that branding. It's like, hey, this is a classic band. I want to support them. I want to rep their brand. That's what Mississippi State's got to do. we got to get people that are excited about repping our brand. And I just don't think the banner logo does it. And I may be in the minority, but I don't believe so. I've seen the internet polls. I've seen the polls on Gene's page. I've seen the Twitter polls. I believe I'm in the the majority here when I say, I just think people want something a little fresher. That's just my honest opinion. And again, love the M-State banner logo in an official capacity on behalf of the university. I just don't think it works well on an athletic uniform. And maybe that's just me. Having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? There have been times in the past I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. And then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet, interview, and ultimately hire. It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. 32 games into the Leach era. We're an even 16 and 16 and two-thirds of the way through season three with an experienced veteran team sitting at five and three. I don't know that I would say we're an experienced veteran offense. I think we are in a team that's got a lot of uh, age, but maybe not, not a lot of experience. And we're sitting at five and three. And those are my comments. Without predicting and playing hypotheticals of the outcome of the next four games, what are your honest thoughts on what you've seen through these 32 games? Where do you think this is headed? Is your gut feeling we finished strong this season and you like where we're headed? Or do you feel some uneasiness and uncertainty or have concerns about whether Leach can get us over the hump? How about all of the above? I am optimistic that State will get seven. I am hopeful that State can get eight. I do not expect to get nine. We're talking regular season. State, the good thing for State is we have been really good at home. Three of our four remaining games are at home. The one that matters most to a lot of people is on the road. But you never know what shape both teams are going to be and by the time you get to the Golden Egg. We, we've seen it a thousand times over. There's no point in us playing the Golden Egg today. We're going to play it on Thanksgiving. But, yeah, we should beat Auburn. We should beat East Tennessee State. We should lose to Georgia. All right, that gets you seven wins heading into the Golden Egg. And in the battle for the Golden Egg, could, you know, it could, what are you going to do at the end of the year if State – 
and Ole Miss end up with the same record or a game difference between the two. There's a lot of people that are kind of crowing, oh, look at the Ole Miss is doing this. Listen, Ole Miss is doing what they're supposed to do, but Ole Miss hadn't played anybody. I played somebody with a pulse last week, and I got crushed. They're going to play a, kind of an injured A&M team. That whole program is fractured right now, and that may be a dangerous thing, to be quite honest with you. you got to go on the road. You're going to kind of have an apathetic fan base in many respects, but you, you may be back in – you may be backing an animal on a corner here. You still got to tackle Devin Ocheng. Yeah, but we'll see. But yeah, so I, I suspect seven and five. I think I think is a certainty. Eight and four is the hope. And I think if you win eight and get the egg back, I think everybody is thrilled. No matter what happens in the ball game, if you win the ball game too, I think all of a sudden people are like, okay, yes, we are headed in the right direction. But if we go six and six. No matter what happens in the bowl game, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to say, you know what, I'm not renewing season tickets next year. I mean, it's not. Now, I believe in Mike Leach. I believe in the scheme. I do think you've got to make some change. We have seen some change this year. We're running the football more, and some of that is a byproduct of the maturation of the quarterback and the maturation of the running back position. But I don't think you see Will making a lot of bad decisions this year. I think Will's decision-making processes get better. So I have a lot of optimism for next year. I'm eager to kind of go through that schedule when we get a little more time. But I am still on the bandwagon for Mike Leach. I know many others aren't, and it's so easy, you know, when we've lost two in a row. The euphoria we all felt heading into the Kentucky game, it's like, dude, we've won three in a row. If we can get to six, before we, if we're six and one going to Tuscaloosa, we don't even care about the game, right? Because if you got six, you feel like you got eight in the bag and possibly nine in a regular season. It's amazing how deflated people have been since losing that game at Kentucky. And Kentucky's not a bad team. And they beat us. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. All right, you're the head coach of Mississippi State. You're in charge of setting the numbers for recruiting preseason. Let's work off the assumption you got 25, 26 spots to use, even though the only number that counts is the 85, which is correct. What's your strategy as far as spots go to high school, JUCO, and portal guys? I think it depends on the year. And I'll be honest with you, I, I wouldn't take many junior college guys anymore. Not many. The first thing that I would say about that is, is the reason these guys are in JUCO. I don't say that to hurt anybody's feelings. My oldest son played college baseball in the Mississippi Junior College system, okay? And the reason that he played JUCO is he wasn't seasoned enough to go play Division One baseball. That's the truth. He had the grades. He had the talent. He had to want to. He had to drive. He didn't have the size. And he needed a little more seasoning to get bigger. I probably should have held him back a year like everybody else did their kids, but I didn't. So I, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of the Mississippi Junior College system. I just think the way po- the portal is set up now, I would rather have a guy, warts and all, that has had one to two years of experience on the Division I level than I would one to two years in a junior college level. Because they've seen it up close. They've, got, they've worked at better facilities. They've had better strength and conditioning programs. And, again, that's not a slight. It's just the reality of life. Give me the guy that has had some experience on the senior college level over the guy at the junior college level. And, listen, there's going to be some studs that come out of JUCO ranks, but the JUCO talent pool is not what it once was because used to guys had to go to JUCO. It's like if they, they decided to move and go to JUCO if they had a year left to get on the field. They'd blow up. Well, guys don't have to do that anymore. 
And so as a result, the JUCO talent pool has been drained. So I, I, I'm saying maybe one or two spots. I used to always say I would take a JUCO defensive back and an offensive lineman every single year. If nothing else for depth, right? I don't feel that way anymore. I would go out every single year, and I would hit Mississippi hard, and I would work the border states, and I would spot recruit, and I would go out there and probably sign 16 to 18 high school kids every single year. I would not commit the bulk of my class to the portal. I think it's too new. And again, there's a reason these guys are in the portal, and some of it is their fault. And I think if you commit too many spots to the portal, you open up the odds being against you. You're not going to hit on that many kids. And so I think maybe you limit your liability a little bit. Maybe you have six six to eight spots, depending on your particular needs that year, because you're going to have some guys at the portal. But if you're out there, you know, we're going to give a dozen spots to the portal or even more, I, I think you're asking for trouble. And that's just my personal opinion. So I think uh, it's good to go. But my personal opinion is that's what I would do. And, again, it, it changes a little bit every year, but I would never go wholesale in the portal. And that's not a shot at anybody else. I just don't think that's sustainable. All right, let's thank our friend Blair Chandler at CloseTheBlair.com. If you're unfamiliar with Blair, let me let you know. Blair is a great guy, doing a great job for a lot of people. Been in the mortgage business a long time. Blair is my friend, your friend. He is your friend in the mortgage industry. You can visit him today at CloseWithBlair.com. And, and kind of acquaint yourself with what he does. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. His phone number, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. If you let him know that you heard about him on the Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. What a great value that is. Be sure and check him out today. It's closewithblair.com. Top 1% close ratio in the country, two years running. Works at Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction. You know, maybe you're a non-conforming borrower with an atypical property, but I can assure you Blair has seen it all and done it all. If there is anybody that can get your loan closed, it is Blair Chandler. That's why we have closewithblair.com. Be sure and get your loan closed by doing business with Blair Chandler. All right, back to your questions. Hey, Steve, can you give us a rundown on your thoughts on our basketball team and coaches? Okay, the first thing I'll tell you, uh, Paul does an amazing job covering the men's basketball program for us. Robbie does an amazing job covering the women's for us. There's nobody on the beat doing a better job on either topics or teams than those guys. I will tell you this. Based on my interactions with both Chris Jans and Sam Purcell, I am excited. I think their level of energy is infectious. And Sam is a little more rah-rah than, than Chris, right, than Coach Jans. I think we're in good hands. I, I don't know that we could have made better hires on either side. So I am very excited about the year. I think the women have a chance to make the tournament. I think the men are going to have to have some things go their way to make it. And I think it's one of us, well, Steve, you know, Ben Howen was always an NIT guy too. Yeah, this is year one with Chris Jans. But I believe Chris Jans is going to bring a very blue-collar, offensive-minded basketball team to our floor. I think they're going to be fun to watch. I think you're going to want to come out. And that's the thing, too. People have kind of gotten in the habit of not going. We'll just watch at home. And I think Sam and Coach uh, Jans both are going to do a good job kind of getting the students back out there. That's an important part of things. The students are the lifeblood of that arena. 
When the students are there and lit, so is everybody else. And I love the students. I do. One of my own is among your number. And maybe another one soon. Okay, here's a question off topic. Speaking of my children. Steve, what is the best parenting advice ever given to you? I'm going to answer this in twofold. I'm going to give you some parenting advice that I offered my children. And I'll offer I'll give you some the best that's been given to me. So I've thought about this a lot since reading this question. And I think the most, and I can't even remember who told me this. It was a guy I worked with. I think it was Frank Thomas. may have been Jim Sears. But he said, pack the car every chance you get. Get away from home every chance you get with your kids. Get out and make memories and do things because it is far greater to do things than have things. Those memories will sustain you for a lifetime. And so he's like, you know, when I was younger, I wish I'd have packed the car more and worried a whole lot less about my golf game. I wish I would have taken my boys fishing more. I wish I would have been more involved with my girls more. You know, and so that's one of the things. I think I've done a good job of that. I think my kids would tell you that I have. But I can, I can promise you this, you know, before – before I became an adult myself, and well, I guess when I was a teenager, I was able to make some state games. But when I was a kid, I could count on one hand how many times we went to a Mississippi State football game. We watched them, we listened to them, and occasionally we got to go to them. Some of the greatest memories of my life, win or lose, is the fact that my dad cared enough to pack the car and take me to experience something that was important. It was important to me. It was important to you. It was a big deal to be at the ball game. And, and it gives you a chance to reconnect with the family. And you find out you're not alone. There are a lot of people out there who love Mississippi State. That's one of the reasons that I love going. And I, I've shared before, too, and I wrote this in a little Facebook thing one time. It's like, uh, you know, one of the reasons that I go to baseball games, home or away and everything else, is because that's where my dad is. You know, we lost my dad now 16 years ago now, 17 years ago. And uh, I know where he is. I know where to find him. He is going to be where the Bulldogs are playing. And so I go, and there are times that I have like a moment with my dad. And that sounds kind of weird, and I don't mean to be weird with you, but it's, it's helped me to go out there and get out there, and I know how proud my dad would be that I'm there. And so I continue to pack the car, and a lot of times I go alone because you know now, now I don't have young kids at home anymore. And there are times I'll have everybody meet me somewhere. You know, hey, well, let's all go meet go to the ball game together, or we'll go to this concert or whatever. They have their own lives now and are beginning to, to have their own families. But it's pack the car. Worry less about the finances and worry more about the opportunities. And I would say some of the best advice I've ever given uh, to, I, I would say really to all my kids, but specifically to my girls. Because I've seen this, you know, firsthand, you know, with people that I care about. And, uh, you know, it's get a job that not everybody else can get. It gives you some job security, right? Get an education. But I've always told my girls, specifically my girls, I don't ever want you to be in a situation where you're dependent on some man. I don't ever want you to be in a situation where you're in a bad, a bad circumstance and you can't afford to leave. I'm not always going to be here. 
their mom's not always going to be here, right? They may not always have somewhere to run. But if they're educated and they're professionals, they have an opportunity to get out and go do some things for themselves and for their kids, and they don't have to stay in a bad marriage. And so I have impressed that upon them. And listen, we don't always agree. I got two very opinionated, smart-mouthed girls, and they come by that honestly. But I can say, when it's all said and done, I'm going to get a computer engineer and an attorney out of the deal. And so I don't have to worry about my grandchildren being in a bad situation one day because their mothers will be able to leave and take care of them and, and, and have a, a decent, comfortable living and not have to go marry some other dude for survival. It's important to me. I have done my best uh, and maybe too good a job at times to raise very independent and free-thinking young ladies. And uh, they certainly are. And I'm exceptionally proud of both of them. And again, we don't always agree. And sometimes we, we have disagreements and you know, it gets a little bit spirited at times, but I never love them any less. And, and in fact, I love them more in those moments when they feel comfortable enough to share an opinion that they think maybe is unpopular with me. So I'm very proud of all of my children, very proud of my girls, I'm very proud of the young men that I've raised. But that's the best advice that I can give really to anybody is educate yourself and make yourself so incredibly employable that you will never have to be dependent on somebody else. All right, uh, someday I'd like to hear how you think NIL is going to play out uh, for college sports in general and for Mississippi State specifically. In its current form, NIL is going to be an absolute disaster. It already is. It started out very well intended. It is an absolute disaster now. And I can tell you this, there's a lot of people out there that's like, oh, you know, everybody's got to get something. That's not true. I mean, you're really only talking, honestly, you're only talking about a handful of guys. And then you got to ask yourself, do I get enough juice for the squeeze? Is it worth the investment to go out here and you know, have the NIL collective? And, of course, there's been some changes. You know, now there can be a little more communication between the collective and the university. The university still can't broker deals, even though some have, and, the, and they should be sanctioned for that. I don't think you can plead ignorance in any of that. But the reality of it is, is I think the NIL is still an evolving process. I think in some respects we probably should have some type of a collective bargaining agreement because, you know, you've got multiple lawsuits out there right now about NIL and some people want back pay and that sort of stuff, even though NIL wasn't around. How, how far are we going to go back? We're going to go back to the beginning of time, right? That we're going to do, hey, this wasn't around when I played, so give me some money, you know. I didn't take care of myself. I didn't get enough, get enough education. I'm not working in my field. Give me some money. You know, with life and things evolve, right? If your artist's going to write checks, I'll take one too. You know, I could put it to good use. I'd probably give it to the NIL Collective. I'd probably give it to the Bulldog Initiative. Let somebody else get something out of it. But, uh, yeah, I don't think NIL in its current form long-term is good for Mississippi State because, number one, we have a smaller fan base. And I'm going to say this, and it probably hurts some feelings. we we got a stingy fan base too. It's true. It's true. Now, we have some people out there that are very charitable. We have some big money people. I mean, I think about Richard Atkerson and you know, Mickey Holloman and people like that. I mean, they, they've done a tremendous job becoming successful business people and have been very charitable when it comes to Mississippi State. A lot of what we have today are because of individuals like them. But, I mean, how many people, like, I look and, I, you know, of course, you never never trust this. But, um, you know, the numbers that are out there, it's like, you know, that Ole Miss has almost twice as many people signed up for their 
their collective than we do. And one thing I'll say, I will give Ole Miss people some credit for. They're not afraid to get involved. Good, bad, or indifferent, legal or illegal, they're not afraid to get involved. But this is a legal way for people to be involved. And we got people sometimes, too, it's like, you know, we, we don't want to come to the game. Well, you know, Steve, it's, it's going to cost me, you know, a tank of gas and some nachos. I'm, I'm, I don't want to come to the game. Well, I got season tickets. I'm not coming. I got season tickets for basketball, but I don't want to come because whatever reason. And so I think the NIL, because of the fact that we do have some fan apathy, we have some people that are very much against NIL. I was against NIL, too initially and then when it was explained to me that hey you're gonna be able to sell your shirt and that kind of stuff little did I know that people were gonna be out there brokering you know six-figure deals and maybe it's naive of me to believe that way but I, th- I think on its in its current format it's not good for state we've got to find a way I think to, to have a level playing field I mean the days of amateur athletics are essentially over okay did the NCAA leave in place the rule that will set school sign over 25 or they if they were still below the 85 limit, it seems like a transfer portal could really turn things upside down if a school has a max exodus of players and are only limited to 25 signees. You're no longer limited. And, and it, you know, we had the, the, the quote, one-time exception, right, to let everybody oversign to account for those transfer losses. Well, you know the losses are going to continue to come, right? So the only smart thing to do is we'll say, hey, we're going to waive the 25 annual limit as long as you're at 85 on reporting day. You're good. We probably should have done that long ago. And one of the reasons that we put in the 25 limit was to prevent attrition, but to also create a little parity. You know, because back in the day, before you had scholarship limitations, you know, Alabama would go out and sign everybody to keep other players. They'd go sign them to keep them away from Auburn and Tennessee and Mississippi State. And, you know, they'd go out and sign a bunch of quarterbacks, turn them into linebackers and running backs, and, you know, then you'd be stuck over there. But, yeah, yeah, you're, you're good now. you just got to be 85. Here is a question a little bit off the beaten path. My son Riley loves candy corn and says most people do too. I disagree with the passion. Is candy corn the worst Halloween candy? And if not, what's the worst? It's not the worst. I like candy corn occasionally. Matter of fact, I ate a small bag of candy corn last night as I watched TV, watched Netflix, as I was drifting off to sleep. Uh, I don't think it's the worst. What I think is the worst is like the Almond Joy and the Mounds family, all that coconut stuff. I don't like the texture. I don't like the taste. Like, I don't, I don't eat coconut cake. I don't like it. I didn't choose this life. It chose me. Me and coconut just don't get along. I can drink the coconut milk type stuff, but I can't eat the candy. And it seemed every time that I went to like, when I was a kid and I went trick-or-treating and you went to that one house or that, that one family that was always kind of standoffish. It's like they always bought like an Almond Joy or a Mounds and they'd always put like three or four of them in your bag and you knew they were just sticking it to you. You know what I'm saying? Like you, know, you go to your friend's house, they give you a couple fun-sized Snickers, which I think the fun-sized Snickers is the greatest Halloween candy of all. I don't know what it is about the fun-sized Snicker. It tastes better than a regular Snicker and the original Snickers is outstanding. I don't know what they do to the Halloween fun size Snickers. I don't. But it is vastly superior to the regular Snickers. And that's saying something. Uh, let's see here. If you had to assign each SEC school an 80s medal or not band, which would it be? Well, let me, I tell you what, I'm going to need to pause the show. Let me, let, me, let me take a couple notes here. I'll be right back.
All right, let's have some fun. I took I, I took some time with this, so the show's going to be a little bit later. But, uh, but here we go. Let I guess let's start on the east side. And some of these may hurt your feelings, and, you know, it's okay. So Florida, I've got Florida's Bon Jovi, right? I love the big hits in Bon Jovi. I love the Tim Tebow years. I love the fun and gun. But it's not a very consistent catalog for Florida. Been a lot of up and down. I mean, you, know, you went out and hired Moschamp. You hired Jim McElwain. It's like, you know what, hey, a couple of good singles on those albums, but there's not a lot of, you know, a lot of girth in the catalog. So Florida, I got you, it's Bon Jovi. Great. You've had some big moments. Just not very consistent. I got Georgia's Whitesnake. Now, if you knew how much I love Whitesnake, you'd understand what a compass this is. Georgia, kind of like David Coverdale. Dave had some big hits with Deep Purple. He disappears for a while, comes back with Whitesnake, sets the world on fire, and now all of a sudden there's been a renaissance here late for Whitesnake merchant material. Kind of like George and the Vince Dooley years. Had the big moments, kind of like Dave did with Deep Purple. Then all of a sudden, Kirby comes in, and it's like the self-titled album, Slip of the Tongue. George is back. They're everywhere you go. They're on the radio. They're on MTV. And next thing you know, they're winning a Grammy. That's Whitesnake. All right, Kentucky. And I struggle with this one a little bit, too. And I decided to go with Great White. Because I like a lot of Great White songs. I don't like a lot of great white albums. And what I mean by that is like, okay, Once Bitten, I think is fabulous. From start to finish, it's the best great white album. It is. Kind of like that 10-win season here a couple years ago uh, for, for Kentucky. But how many times have we seen it? Kentucky has the big win over Florida and then finishes 7-5, 8-4. So the season is not much to really speak about. And then, like every year, somebody's like, "Oh yeah, put we'll put Great White in there. Who who do you want to see on tour this year? Oh, there's you know there's there's my there's Rat and there's Motley. Oh, let's put Great White on the bill." And you're all excited because like Great White is a standalone, may not be as fun for you, but it's like, oh dude, I can't wait to see Great White because you're so excited about the full bill. It's kind of like college football season, right? Oh, we're picking the East. Oh well, listen, Kentucky was seven or eight wins last year. They got to be good. They got to be good. And it's just like a Great White album. It's like once you get to a couple of big hits, the next thing you know, you know they're, they're losing to UT Chattanooga, right? That's a great white album. It is. And I love great white. I do. Just not a lot of consistency on the album. Okay, Missouri is winger, right? And even though that's not maybe as sexy as it should be, Missouri's not a sexy school. And maybe winger was. And I'm a dreamier version of Kip Winger in case you didn't know. But – like when Missouri joined the conference, much like Winger, Kip Winger was the former base player of Alice Cooper. They hit the ground running. Next thing you know, they get here. It's like, boom, we're here. We're in the SEC championship two years in a row. And then you never, you never heard anything else from them. And every time you go, hey, whatever happened to Winger? Like, whatever happened to Missouri? They're, when you're staring four and eight in the face, man, it's like all of a sudden, you know, the Winger reunion tour. Yeah, the Winger Reunion Tour, you know, with their big stop at Dave's Dark Horse, right? I mean, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? They go from playing arenas to this. So I think Missouri's college football program is kind of enigmatic when you look at uh, Winger. You hit the ground running, and then you disappear. South Carolina, I struggled with this one a little bit, but I went with Cinderella. I like Cinderella. I do. I like Cinderella a lot. I love those first uh, three albums. And, of course, there hasn't been anything since then. But, like, you know, South Carolina showed up in the conference and they were just kind of here. 
you know, kind of like Cinderella. Cinderella was kind of like, I don't know, kind of like the, um, the pinto bean rolling around in the pot of chili, right? You got a lot of great things in there, a lot of good, good ingredients. It's like, oh, you know, kind of like we talked about with, uh, with Great White. It's like, yeah, I love Bon Jovi. I love Cinderella. I love Molly Crew. I love White Snake. Oh, you like Cinderella? Yeah, man, throw them in. Yeah, throw them in there. And that's kind of how South Carolina is. It's like, w- would you really pack up the car and drive three states to go watch Cinderella perform? Well, probably not. But if they're playing in your neck of the woods, you'd go see the Tom Kiefer band. So South Carolina right there. Some solid moments, of course, with Steve Spurrier. A couple of good years with Lou Holtz. But they've never quite gotten there. They've never had their moment. And yes, they, I know they won the East and they went to Atlanta, but they've never had that big shining moment. Tennessee is KISS. And a lot of it's because they're riding on what they once were, right? You know, you wanted the best, you got the best. It's, you know, Johnny Majors and the Volunteers. Now, Tennessee's having a great year this year. Absolutely. You know, KISS is out on the reunion tour, opening the casino on the Gulf Coast. There's all kind of crazy stuff like that. But let's be honest, KISS, North Tennessee, has had a lot of big hits in the last several years. Of course, you know, Tennessee you know, gets the, uh, the, big, the big one over Alabama. But by and large, when you look at this program, much like KISS, they haven't had a lot to really sing about. So they're riding and kind of living off what they once were. We, we talked about KISS twice on the show today. All right, let's go to the West. Alabama's Metallica, most consistent metal band out there. You know, and listen, St. Anger was terrible, and then the whole thing with Lou Reed was, was contrived and ridiculous. But they're going to sell out arenas every single night, no matter where they play, no matter who's opening, no matter what night it is, they're going to sell out because people want to come see the show. That's Alabama, consistently great. Auburn, Auburn's rat. I like rat, I do. But Auburn is another one of those teams like, and yes, I know they won an Apple championship with Cam, just like Rat ruled the, the metal world in 85 with the Invasion of Your Privacy album. But then that's kind of it. It's like, yeah, we have some big moments, but it's like, hey, we released, you know, the Out of the Cellar album, but wait a minute, there's, you know, Ozzy's got Bark at the Moon out here. We've got, uh, you know, Motley's got Shout at the Devil. So you, you kind of get lost. It's like when you're good, there are some other people that are a little bit better. And that's kind of what Auburn's been going through. Now, like right now, Auburn is in the shambles. And Rat, not together. You know, they're, they're once again estranged. There was all this talk about getting together and doing one final album together with the, the original lineup minus Robin Crosby. Well, now that's out, that's out. Stupid. We can't figure it out and get in the studio for six weeks. You ain't got to go tour. Just get the fans what they want. Bobby, Steven, Juan, Warren. And I'm sure there's a lot of people on the Auburn side of things saying, give us what we want, get rid of Brian Harson. I got Arkansas as anthrax. Now, Arkansas and anthrax doesn't fit on its face, right? That's how you'd look at it. Steve, yeah, come on. Uh, so I got Arkansas as anthrax because when you think about the great slash bands or thrash bands, where does anthrax is kind of behind Metallica, behind Megadeth? behind Slayer, and that's kind of how Arkansas is in the West. Like, the best they can ever hope for is to be in the Big Four, but they're number four in the Big Four, right? Arkansas just can't seem to take that step because they're never going to be as good as Metallica. They're never going to be as good as Megadeth. They're not going to have the same loyal following as Slayer. So they're never going to – they're kind of capped right there. 
an LSU is Slayer because you, you walk out of Tiger Stadium and it's like, what, what just happened? What, what just happened to me? That's like going to a Slayer show. You put on Slayer, like you put on Random Blood or something, you're like, what, what am I listening to? Am I going to hell for listening to this? That's kind of how it is going to Death Valley. You, you go in there and it's like, you know you're up against some evil force. You got that Cajun voodoo working against you. It's true. And again, some of the most miserable experience I've ever had as a Mississippi State football fan has been in Tiger Stadium, where you go down there and you think, hey, we got a chance. And next thing you know, it's like the ground opens up and like this band of demons comes out. And the next thing you know, they're shooting like lasers out of their eyes. Our football players are going down. It's almost like the ground is cursed. All right, Texas A&M is poison for a lot of reasons, and I I won't belabor all of them. But, you know, poison had their moments, but they never had the big moment. And someone said, but Steve, no, but you. Poison was not as good as Motley. Poison was not as good as Rat, not as good as Ozzy. I I could rattle off probably 50 bands that were better. Poison was popular because all the girls thought that Brad and CeCe and those guys were hot. They couldn't really play. They were entertaining, and they were good-looking. They were handsome. They put on a show, and so people went. And I guarantee to this day, there's people that still have that open up and say, ah, cassette under their bed somewhere. It's true. They sold a bunch of records, but they never really got their big moment. It's kind of like A&M. They they spend all this money and put on this big-budget show, and they can't get to Atlanta. They can't have their moment. Mississippi State's Molly Crew, right? We've had some big moments, too. And our, our bigs are big, right? We won an AFL championship in baseball. We'll go to the Final Four. We've been to Atlanta. We've done a lot of things that a lot of other bands haven't done. Not to mention, we got the best tattoos and we got the best-looking women, right? And sometimes those two go hand-in-hand. Hand. We're Motley Crue, for better or for worse. And they're back together again, selling out arenas. And he said, but Steve, what about Ole Miss? Well, you know, we step outside the genre here. I, I had to find a band that fits Ole Miss. And no band fits Ole Miss better than Menudo. That's right. I, I said it. They sold a ton of records, but they never had any hits. Not that anything that matters. And a lot of the hits they've had, which you'd consider hits, you know, happen in another time or another country or whatever. And so it's like you look at this and it's like, but Steve – Menudo won, you know, the, the Dunkel House Index Award, much like Ole Miss did. That's exactly my point. It's these obscure little rating things. Oh, we won an AFL championship. You know, Menudo wins, uh, you know, the you know, uh, hottest, you know, contrived Latin American band put together by somebody from Puerto Rico. I mean, it's like there's these obscure little titles. But Ole Miss is Menudo. Sold a bunch of records, don't have any hits. How about that? And that's where we are. And not to mention – you know, Ricky Martin was part of Menudo, and they will not shut up about that, right? It's just like, well, Archie Manning played at Ole Miss, and they will not shut up about that. So there's a lot of parallels between Ole Miss and Menudo. So the next time you put on your Menudo cassette, think of Ole Miss, because that's their parallel in the music world. All right, let's take some time now and thank our friends at Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You will, too, if you don't already. Go by and check them out today. You'll be glad you did. Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution, doing a great job for a great fan base, selling great merchandise at a great price. The, the bully shop completely renovated. Go by and check them out today. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which gets you free shipping on all orders over $75. 
over 75 bucks with the holidays coming up. You and I both know you're probably going to spend in the hundreds, so we can save you a little cash there on the shipping. Be sure and check that out today. Campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, move on to the next question here. That was fun, right? Best high school football player you've ever seen. That's, uh, that's Jeffrey Simmons on the defensive side of the football. And on the offensive side, it'd be DeAndre Brown, who I think was the most talented receiver I've ever covered in person. Seen some good guys at some All-American games. But DeAndre Brown had a special blend of skill and size and speed. Same things with Jeffrey Simmons. I did see Leonard Fournette. I would put him slightly behind those guys. Had DeAndre Brown not gotten injured, I think he would have had a very productive NFL career. I still hear from him from time to time, which is great. He's a great young man. Uh, rank your top favorite SEC campuses to visit for any sport. I really like Georgia. I think Georgia's really nice. I think Auburn is really good. Um, let me think here for a second. Tennessee is nice. I think Neyland is dated and looks old. And there's probably uh, a lot that could be done with that stadium with a you know, pressure washer and some want to. I think the campus is absolutely beautiful. Uh, Kentucky as a campus is nice, even though the football facility is not great. We'll be headed back up there this spring for baseball. Um, I think Alabama's overrated. I think College Station's overrated. Uh, but yeah, I would, say, I would say Georgia, number one, Auburn, two, Tennessee, three. Uh, Kentucky, four, and I do like the LSU campus. I don't like going to games there because we typically lose, but I do like the campus. Uh, Sundog says, is DJ a high enough draft pick to leave for the NFL? I don't think so, but I, he has some obligations now. He may really see it differently than we do. Deep threat receiver, why are guys having trouble getting space? I think they are getting space. I just think that we're struggling to get them to football, and at times they're struggling to catch football. I think we are getting separation. You know, the drops of what's hurt us, not a lack of separation. I do think we struggled to get open against Kentucky, which surprised me. Am I mistaken, but it seems part of our O-line problem is we have O-guards, offensive guards playing offensive tackle due to not having SEC-quality offensive tackles on the team. Ordinarily, I would agree, but we've actually played pretty well on the offensive line this year. And, of course, Nick Jones is not your prototypical tackle. He's not Charles Cross, but – you know, Alabama's Alabama, but, uh, you know, we give up three sacks against them, and I think most of that pressure, uh, one of it came off right tackle, two of them did, and one right at the middle. I don't know that our tackles have really failed us this year. Update on Locke this fall. Does he have good mobility to my Braden Locke? Could he move to second team? I don't think he's going to overtake Sawyer Robertson. Why aren't we seeing backup quarterbacks progressing? I don't know that we're not. I don't know that's a fair question. We haven't seen him, really. We, we hadn't seen him in, since we left camp. Uh, I remain concerned if Will goes down, we don't have a guy ready to step up. Is that a fair concern? It absolutely is a fair concern because I don't think either of those guys are ready. What does the future look like for the, the Scripps State logo becoming a primary football helmet logo? I don't think it'll be the primary football helmet logo. I do think it'll be maybe a one-off each year. And I think it'll be on the baseball jerseys a lot. Is there a chance the video of the horrible call Saturday make at the conference headquarters? 100% guarantee that will happen. It's probably already happened. I usually get that together on Monday. I think it goes in on Tuesday. Will it ever do anything? Here's what I think it will help. I, think, I don't think there will ever be sweeping change to SEC officiating, which I think is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But I think when you gripe, after you get 
shafted like State did against Alabama. And I thought the officiating was bad for both teams in the Kentucky game. It's like they, they had predetermined, we're going to call a bunch of pre-snap penalties. And they were sticklers about that. But I think what's, I think what, what's got to happen here, as I heard somebody say recently, the chances of there being any meaningful change in officiating is rare because I don't think the coaches and schools will work together. Because like, we got shafted against Alabama, and we were going to lose the game either way. But there were a lot of plays that were not calls made, and I, I may do an article on that tomorrow. we got time, right? We don't have an opponent pre- preview. But it's like if you told all the SEC coaches, okay, we'll give you an ice cream cone today or $50 on Wednesday, we're going to take the ice cream cone. Even though the 50 bucks would be better and you could buy 50 ice cream cones. It's like, well, give me what happens now. Because teams like Arkansas and Ole Miss and Texas A&M and Mississippi State are all kind of similarly situated. So what's bad for them is good for us. So why would we want to go help those guys? I think in order to bring meaningful change, people have got to work together and put some pressure on the league. Elvis Dog says, I'll throw in some music questions. Do you think Ticketmaster is the Dr. Evil of affording live concerts? Now, I have for a long time, and I give Pearl Jam way back in the 90s for kind of taking a stand because Ticketmaster was gouging people. Why are 70s and 80s bands still in demand for shows? I'll tell you why. And I'm so glad you asked the question, Elvis. It's because people like me. Because for years and years and years, we had to be parents first, right? We had to stay home. We had to go to ball games. Uh, we had to go to dance recitals. We had to go to watch our kids play in the band or be cheerleaders. Well, now our kids are aging out and going to college, and we're becoming empty nesters, and we're sitting around kind of looking at each other. Well, it's like, well, now what? I don't know. Well, let's go see, uh, let's go see Leonard Skinner. Oh, they're playing? Oh, yeah, they're still on the road. Leonard Skinner's playing in Tupelo. Well, let's go. That's what's happening. Is it, you know, that my generation is becoming empty nesters, and as a result, we want to go out and see bands, and you know, people don't want to go out there and go to, a, go to a club and see, you know, they don't want to run into their kids at a bar, so they're going to arenas, and they're going to major venues to see the bands that they grew up with. Do you think this one original member of a band on tour is a sham or a tribute? I think it's a tribute in most situations. Like, I look at Foreigner, like Mick Jones – is really the lifeblood of Foreigner. I know Lou Graham is not there. Kelly does a great job as a vocalist, and they can pull it off. But, um, you know, that's one of those bands. You know, if, you, if we're fair about that, Gary Rossington is the last living member of the true Leonard Skinner. But I think it's good to keep those songs alive, and those songs need to be played. If they're not played by those bands, even if you've got a bunch of hired studio musicians, who's going to play them? And to answer that question is nobody. Uh, Brewdog says, predictions on baseball this season, good, bad, or the ugly. I think we're going to be good. I really do. And uh, Mike Nemeth, uh, we have talked to him um, recently on road trips about how good fall baseball. Mike has been to all the scrimmages, I think, but one. He loves Dakota Jordan. He loves David Marchand. Loves our pitching. Thinks we got a chance to be really, really good. So I think we're going to be good. I think we'll be back in the hosting discussion. Anything beyond that maybe a bit of a bonus this year. Uh, Renardo's right hook, which is one of the best usernames on our board. Which players with college eligibility left after the season do you expect to try the waters of the NFL draft? By that, I don't mean getting their draft grades. I mean pursuing the next level. I think the one that I feel most confident about is Emmanuel Forbes. I do think Emmanuel is going to go pro. I think there is a good chance that Bookie Watson also goes pro. May not be a good decision, but I believe that's probably the, the avenue both of those guys you know, will pursue. 
Could Woody Marks, could Dylan Johnson go pro? They could. I think it's a mistake. I think they need another year. Uh, because you think 20 didn't count. So this is really their sophomore season as far as eligibility goes. I think you come back one more year, and then you still have some leverage to work with there. Is it too early to start wishing Garrett Riley into existence? Well, you know, here's the thing about that that I've learned. It's never too early to wish and hope, right? I think it's kind of how we all look at stuff. It's never too early to think about that. But um, I don't think that you're going to have him come be the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. I think it'll always be Mike Leach's situation there. Uh, and a lot of people really like Garrett Riley, and they think that he is a guy that is on the up, up, upswing and he'll be a head coach sometime soon. I just don't think it's going to be uh, there at Mississippi State. All right, uh, Crooked Ladder Forever, another good name. What is your beard care routine? Well, it's washed and conditioned. I do have some beard oil and uh, about to order some more. But usually I just, like, I just see stuff pop up and I hear it or I'll see it and I'll be out somewhere and I'll, I'll buy it. But uh, if you don't condition it, it'll get, it'll get ratty on you in a hurry. Or sometimes, too, like if I go a few days without doing it, I'll look at, oh, my gosh, i got to cut all this stuff. Honey Dog, maybe a touchy question, but how do you balance an honest opinion with maintaining good working relationships? I think you just tell the truth. You tell the truth without being vindictive. And I think people respect the fact that you tell the truth. When you go out of your way, and we've had some beat writers in our past that take a lot of glee in the misfortunes of Mississippi State, I think those people paint themselves in the, in the profession in a negative light. But I think if you tell the truth and provide some balance, I think if, if you want to find negativity, you can find it. If you want to find positivity, you can find it. Uh, I try to be the voice of reason, and some people would say that I'm, I'm too big of a homer, and I, which – I don't agree. I'm always going to support Mississippi State, but we're not going to sit over here and just kind of gloss over major problems. And I think talking about it on this show is an important part of it. But I think if you just tell the truth, you know, without maybe skewing that one direction or another, just report the truth, I think that's, that, that maintains good relationships. If they know that you're going to be fair and even-handed when times are good and then fair and even-handed when times are bad, I think you're always going to have access. Somebody else uh, wouldn't be mad if we brought in Kingsbury as an analyst as soon as he gets fired. I, I, I think that he'll probably stay in the NFL. Let's see here. All right, do you think Leach is 100% safe in 2024 if we finish 7-5 and five this year? I, you know, I, I think so, but here's the deal. I, I think it's one of those deals, too. Number one, you've had the most difficult schedule in the country, according to some people. I think if you get to eight and four, there's no question. I think if you get to seven and five this year and you lose the egg, I think there's going to be a lot more pressure heading into 2024. Like if you if you finish seven and five, let, let's say God forbid you lose to Auburn, but then you turn around and beat East Tennessee State, and you beat Ole Miss, and you win your bowl game. That way you're ending the season, you know, trending in the right direction. I think that you know people would be a little easier to accept that. I don't think anybody's going to be happy at 7-5, and five, though, to be quite honest with you, because that's what we were last year. You go 7-5 and five this year, I think people feel like we're just kind of jogging in place. Even though we had a more difficult schedule, we had a better team. Let's see here. Let's see here. Davis Wade Dog says, what's your favorite place to be on a brisk, cool Mississippi afternoon in the fall, and what are you doing there? It, well, I, I love to be at Davis Wade Stadium. If I'm not there, I'm probably taking in like an outdoor event, like going to a show or something. I like going to see live music, and I go a lot. I'm thinking about actually next Friday 
after I get done signing at the Celebration Bill, excuse me, at the Mistletoe Marketplace, heading down to Hattiesburg to go see Josie Scott play, the former singer of Saliva. I've never seen him live. Thought about going down and saying hello. I've got, we have some mutual friends. I'm going to maybe try to work in a meet and greet situation there. Go by and meet him. Thank him for his contribution to the soundtrack of my life. But, yeah, I like going to shows. <clears throat> Let's see here. What, in your opinion, has to change to get this offense going again? I think part of the issue is that we've got to be ourselves. I think we got out of our element against Alabama. I think we expected to lose and we didn't play up to our potential. I think we overlooked Kentucky. I think we just got to get locked in again. I think getting some guys healthy will help. LaQuinson Sharp being healthy is big because you don't have to play with a reshuffled line. Getting Dylan Johnson back is big. I think him and Woody are a great tandem together. And Simeon Price doing some good things too. But I think the biggest thing is the offensive receivers. The wide receivers have got to play up to their potential. And I don't know that we have in recent weeks. And I think that's been a bigger issue than quarterback play, offensive line play, or running back play. I think wide receiver play has what's plagued us the last couple of weeks. Over and under uh, 10 current Bulldogs transferring out at year's end. I'm going with the under there. Is there any movement on the expansion of baseball scholarships? And what about the salary for a third baseball coach? I think that there will be some movement on this sooner rather than later as the Division I work group kind of makes some recommendations. And the salary for a third baseball coach is something that should have happened long ago. It's ridiculous. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. You guys know Portico. We've talked about them several times. Great place to live. If I was moving to Starkville, it's where I'd move. And you say, well, Steve, why don't you move there now? Well, there's a lot to this circus, man. It really is. Give Brooks Bryan a call. Brooks, of course, wore the M over S, was part of two Omaha teams. He knows what it means, what it takes to make Mississippi State great. 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. Brooks, part of a great group of developers bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. Very easy to find. You, you turn off 82 on a 12 like going to campus. The very first right is Pat Station Road. You go to the four-way stop, Boomer's Portico. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really anything in between. If you need a custom build, they can help you with that. It's not all just cookie-cutter type construction. So reach out to Brooks to get more information. He's more than happy to help you. And if your real estate agent hasn't mentioned this development to you, maybe it's time you ask why. Make Portico your next move all right last few questions here odds on Saban and how much longer will he coach who do you believe replaces him I think Saban this sounds crazy I think he's probably got four or five years left in him unless there's something unforeseen right I mean like maybe God forbid he has some health problems and and listen I think as long as he's there we're all kind of playing for second in the west I think everybody realizes that so when he leaves you'll have more parity in the west which, uh, you know, for teams like us in Arkansas and A&M and, and Ole Miss, it's, it's a good thing. You know, LSU could beat, could beat Alabama this year. It's not, a, not as great an Alabama team as we've seen. But, you know, a couple years ago, it wasn't the best Alabama team we've, we've seen, and they won an Apple championship, right? It's crazy. It's, it just shows you the, you know, the, the glory of Nick Saban. And who do you believe replaced him? I think it's going to depend on when he leaves. But I, I think you get a generational coach. Yeah, you know, I think you go get a guy that's, you know, that's 
that fits. Again, it's already won championships. I don't think you go get an up-and-comer. I think you go get a proven guy. You throw your weight around a little bit. And I don't know that I could name him today. But I don't think it's like Dabo Sweeney or somebody like that. Maybe it is, but I don't think so. Uh, I hope he has a long and illustrious career in the NFL, but when he's done playing, do you think, well, Rodgers would get enough coaching? I absolutely do. He's head coach potential in my mind and could take MSU a long way. I, Will Rogers is an extremely intelligent young man, extremely. And it's not just with decision-making and kind of getting guys better. Will is a guy that is a leader. The guys respect him, and they'll tell you he's a dog in the huddle. I think Will would be an outstanding coach and not just on the high school level. I think Will is a guy that would be able to do it on the college level and maybe he breaks in as a GA and becomes a quarterback's coach and then an OC. I do think Will Rogers will be a college football coach at some point. MSU Dog Fan 1 says, how can we fix DL recruiting? As the top, at, at the top, that, I, 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 here we go. In the past few years, going out of state have really showed up in this year's average to below average DL performance. I don't think we've been below average. I think we've been average. But I don't think DL recruiting has been bad. What I will say is we have not been able to go land difference makers. Now, part of the problem with that is this state hasn't produced a Fletcher Cox or a Chris Jones or a Jeffrey Simmons. And I think sometimes we look at the lens of that and we begin to think, oh, well, we're not doing well here. Well, let's take a quick look back here, if, if we can, just the last couple of years. At the uh, at the you know, the twenty, let's start with twenty twenty. Even though that was a class ultimately signed by Joe Moorhead, we had three defensive linemen in that class. It's so interesting sometimes too how, the, how things just jump on you. You know what I mean? Like you're you're, you're sitting here kind of working, working through this. It was actually five defensive linemen in that class. And let's take a look at who they are and how they've done. Jordan Davis was in that class. He's been injured. We've got, I think we've got our scholarship money out of Jordan, but I don't think he's played up to his potential. Jevin Banks, actually one of my favorite players in the class. He still has some, uh, some progression to do, to, to do, right? But Jevin Banks is beginning to be a regular two deeper, and I think his best football is ahead of him. Armandus Cooley transferred. Uh, Jamari Stewart was dismissed uh, along with uh, Trey Lawson. You know, so you had five guys in the class, and only two of them remain on the roster. And I think that's where you're seeing some of these rotational issues is because of the fact you don't have guys that have some seasoning on them that could be playing in between your starters and some of these young guys. All right, let's move to 2021. Three defensive linemen signed in this class. And, and some dudes, right? And everybody struggled the entire year with defensive line recruiting. All right, so Trevon Marshall was signed. I never thought he was an SEC player. Uh, oh, he's going to bulk up and slide inside. I, I just never thought he had the weight, or excuse me, the girth to carry the weight necessary to play as a three technique in this league. He wasn't explosive enough on the outside, so you slide him inside. Great young man. But that was an interesting take. And Ty Cooper, of course, was a top defensive lineman in the state. Deontay Anderson was an All-American, uh, was part of the All-American Bowl. And Deontay's got to get a little bit bigger. He flashed at times in traffic. In traffic. And Ty Cooper's a guy, too, that uh, you know, his best football is ahead of him. But I would say that Deontay and Ty Cooper, I think both of those are great gets. It hadn't really shown yet. But I think the jury is still out on those guys. And then you look at the 2022 class. Trevion Williams, I think, will be the dude. I think he will be the guy moving forward. 
that people are like, you know what? That guy's the next great Mississippi State defensive lineman. I absolutely believe that to be the case. Jacarius Clayton is a guy that I, I really kind of liked as an offensive lineman. He, he showed some flashes, but uh, he's a guy that's kind of getting up to speed. He wants to play defensive line. He's a big, rangy guy. Don Terry Russell has played some this year. He is an edge guy all the way, and he's explosive. A lot of people have some high expectations for him. And there's Calvin Dinkins, a guy that was kind of born to play on the nose. Excited about him. So I like what we did last year. And that's the thing, too, with this year. I would just encourage you, let, let's see how the class settles and looks when it's all said and done. Uh, but, yeah, I think one of the things that helps us is we, we've got to be able to make sure that our state and our recruiting footprint are, are producing defensive linemen that I think are um, future NFL guys. And I don't know that we've done that in a few years. Well, let's see here. I guess that's our last question. Let me, let me refresh here. Because there were some duplicates in there, too. So, um, and I, there are some people that come here and actually tried to help me answer the questions. But, um, yeah, I, listen, I appreciate everybody reaching out and, uh, and their questions, and I hope that I answered them to your satisfaction. Uh, but I guess the final thing that I'll say, and I get this question a lot, and uh, it's not on message boards or even on social media, but it's like in you know, private conversations. People say, well, Steve, do you think Mike Leach is going to make it? And I've had other people that have come up to me, in the media, say, Steve, you know, we really need Mike to make it. You know, we need Mike to make it. I, I believe Mike does make it. Now, the question is, what do we define as making it? Is it getting to a ball game every year? Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's an easy thing. It should be a given, right? Are we routinely going to good bowl games? Well, I, I think yes. I think the question becomes is, can Mike put together one of those wild and crazy seasons like he did at Washington State where you go out there and all of a sudden, even if you don't get to the playoff, you get to something substantial. You get to a point where everybody in this conference has to respect you. You get to a point in this conference where people are scared to play you. That, to me, is the bigger question. Not is can we win and can we go to a good bowl games and occasionally maybe make a New Year Six. You know, I think that's – that's possible. It's going to be difficult to make Atlanta until Nick Saban retires. That's just the reality of things. But we're asking these questions kind of on the heels of a bad loss to Alabama, right? I mean, yeah, there were some, there were some things. They defense played well. You know, it's true. Offense outgained Alabama. Well, neither team really moved the football, and their situation was enhanced by the fact that we went for it on fourth down a few times. And so – I think that's the big question, though, is can Mike Leach get us consistently to contend in the SEC West? Can he compete for 10-win seasons on a routine basis? And that's the thing where I don't know. I think, I think the rest of it is absolutely assured. Winning seasons and mid-level bowl games every year, yeah, I think that's the case. But – how do we get there? How do we get to a point where we have those seasons and we look back and say, man, 2014 was so much fun. How do we get to a point where we say 2023 was one of the funnest college football seasons of my life? And I mean, and that, that requires you upsetting somebody. That means you going out there and beating somebody in their own backyard that maybe took you for granted. And I think the way you get there is you got to recruit better. Now, we've had some discussions, and again, there, there are some people that will always skew negatively, and there are some people that are always going to make excuses for Mississippi State because of their love for state, right? It's just like your own children. You kind of overlook their mistakes because of the fact that you, you want to believe the best about them. We make some mistakes. We do. 
But all that said, when I look at this recruiting class, there is some room for upper mobility, obviously. But you go out and you get Chris Parson. And that's just the latest in a string of great quarterback prospects that Mike Leach has been able to sign. You're going to be able to keep them all happy. I think it's impossible to do so. But you get Chris Parson to campus, and I think that we talk about innovation on offense. I think that he's the guy. But you know, when does he see the field? He wouldn't. It won't be next year, right? You don't expect, right? Is it in 2024? Is it in 2025? And if Parson wins a job, obviously some other guys are going to leave. I mean, that's just the reality of competition. And you you respect it because you only get a short time in life to play football. But I think going out and getting guys like Creed Whittemore, that's another big part of it too. It's, it's not just depending on the in-state developmental prospects to, to move you forward. you got to improve your out-of-state recruiting efforts, and I believe that's happening. It all kind of goes hand in hand. you got to win more to get a bigger recruiting footprint where you're not just so reliant on in-state players. But I think the lifeblood of this program has to be our in-state players. You have to win in-state. Just like the fact that Aiden Williams is going to Ole Miss. Now, we, I was told from the beginning if he stayed in state, it would be Ole Miss. I get it. And maybe he grew up cheering for Ole Miss, and that's fine. That's not in any way a shot at him. But we have got to be so incredibly persuasive with our play on the field that even kids like Aiden Williams can say, you know what, I, maybe I need to go up there and look at Mississippi State. Maybe I need to consider this, right? We need to at least make everybody feel the need to come and visit us. That's an important part of things. And I think that's not just about Mike Leach. It's not just about on-the-field results. That's our recruiting staff. And we have some very talented individuals working in that respect. We probably need some more, right? And, and I don't make those decisions, but if I did, I'd say, hey, Coach, going to allocate some more funds for kind of expanded recruiting staff. And, and, and listen, Mike's kind of guy too. It's like – you know, hey, these guys are doing a good job. Hey, but, Mike, what if we had a couple more people to do this, right? What if we did this and did that? You know, Mike's going to be agreeable to that, okay? But the reality of it is, is it's not as simple as, hey, we got to win more games. How do we get to the point that we win more games? Well, you upgrade your talent level. Okay, well, how do you upgrade your talent level? Well, you upgrade the, the way in which you recruit, the way you evaluate, Right. And I think the way you do that is you bring in some fresh blood. You bring in some people that are hungry and, and trying to, uh, to kind of get ahead. You know, that's, that's a part of it to kind of understand. It, it's not just one thing. There's a lot of things that we can and must do better. Am I happy with where we are? No. Am I disappointed where we are? I would say no, too. I expected us to be 6-2, and 5-3 and three at this point. You know, but I'm like all of you. I mean, the thought of going 7-5 and five and losing the egg for a third consecutive year, that just doesn't appeal to me at all. It doesn't. Does that mean that I favor a coaching change? Absolutely doesn't. But I think there has to be an understanding for everybody in the, in the SEAL complex that losing in Oxford this year is unacceptable. If that means we've got to lock you out of the building, and so be it. But uh, the reality of it is is that we've got to, we've got to get the egg back and we need to find a way to get to eight wins. And we, we feel like we're very, we, we should be heavily favored against Auburn and certainly East Tennessee State. That gets you to seven. You find a way to beat Ole Miss, you're at eight and four. And a lot of people, that's what we expected. We thought eight and four was probably what you would expect this year. If we get to eight and four, win a bowl game, you win nine games, all of a sudden everything gets easier. As Jimmy Villard told me, hey, he said, hey, partner, when you win the Egg Bowl, the water's cleaner, the air's fresher, and your girlfriend's prettier. And that's the reality of life. Nothing makes life better than winning, especially when you win a game that means so much to so many. So we've got to find a way to get that done. 
But I think it's also important to understand many of the people that are the most vocal right now in their complaints kind of had us going five and three or worse at this point. There were a lot of people that didn't think we'd be able to beat Arkansas or A&M, and certainly not both. And so, but yeah, but let's continue to gripe, right? And, and again, I understand it all comes from a good place because you want it so bad for Mississippi State. You put on that Mississippi State sweatshirt and T-shirt, you want it so bad. You want to be proud of your institution and of your football program. And sometimes when you get disappointed, we don't always handle that well. And I'm in the same boat too. You know, there's sometimes it's probably good that I don't record a show for a day or so after a game because I get really disappointed. I do. You know, and I'm there. You know, and I, and I pay my own expenses. There's nobody out there to write Steve a check. I don't have an expense account. I pay my own expenses. I go to the games. I cover the games. And oftentimes the last guy to leave. And so I get it. I identify with the feelings that you're feeling. I do. And uh, I think it's important that we all understand we all want the same things. And that's for Mississippi State to be successful. Got a word from my publisher today that uh, Dogpile has, uh, <clears throat> has really had a big run here as of late. I guess with the holidays coming along. Uh, you guys are saying, hey, we didn't get it last year for Christmas. We'll get it this year. Go to dogpiletobook.com, and you can get Dogpile. You can get Stark Villains. You can get Alpha Dogs, and you can get Flim Flint from one place. You can get them signed. You can get them personalized. I'm happy to sign and do all that stuff for you. Uh, during the holidays, I'll be very, very busy. Let me give you a quick read down here uh, of uh, some scheduling stuff. Real quick here, just so you know. All right, so Wednesday, let's see here. Yeah, Wednesday through Friday. It'll probably end up being Thursday through Friday. Maybe Wednesday, we'll see. I'll let you guys know. November 2nd through the 4th, Mistletoe Marketplace in Jackson. I won't stay late on Friday. Saturday, November the 5th, I am at Campus Bookmart from 1 to 4 before the Auburn game. Sunday, November 6th, that's going to be a noon to three deal at Book Martin Cafe. That's a Christmas, Christmas open house. Many of you will still be in town from the day before watching the Auburn game, which is a night game, thank the Lord. Friday, November 11th, I'm at the Unwind event downtown at Book Martin Cafe. If you're unfamiliar with that, you can research that online. And then I'll be at the 120 Club Tuesday, November 15th. And then I'll be at the Starkville Touchdown Club Thursday, November 17th. So, so if you want to see me, you're going to have plenty of chances to see me here in the next few weeks. But, uh, again, things are really picking up. A lot of books being sold. Had a great couple of days at Celebration Village, and we sold out of Flim Flam. When I left, they had one copy of Alpha Dogs, one copy of Villains left, and a couple of cases of, uh, of Dogpile uh, and a handful of uh, Bloomsville Leander, which you can find. You can order through Amazon or BooksAmillion.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or through your local bookstore. Stark Villains gear always on sale at StarkVillains.com. And, again, I had somebody else tell me they just got their shirt in and they wore it and went out to Walmart and, like, two people came up, dude, where'd you get that shirt? StarkVillains.com. And if you know a Boneyard listener, I can tell you they may not have it on their Christmas list, but if you uh, if you sent them that shirt or you bought them a shirt and put it under the tree, they'd be pretty excited when they get it. It's a great shirt. Again, at StarkVillains.com. You get T-shirt and hoodies. Maybe we work in some other products at some point too, right? I mean, like, what if we had, like um, – you know, beanies or thongs maybe, right? I mean, right? Why can't we be like Kiss? Why can't we do it? Speedos? Put, we'll just put the Starkville logo on everything. Why, why would we not, right? If you guys are willing to pay for it, we're willing to do it. No, but seriously, go to StarkvilleOnes.com, get those T-shirt and hoodies today. That's it for today. And listen, thanks so much for all your questions, and thanks for listening as always. I love each and every one of you. 
and I want you and your families to have the best of the holiday season. This is a difficult time for a lot of people. And a lot of people are estranged from their families. You know, I'm a guy that's a bit of a loner at times, too. I'm so social when I'm around you guys. But when I get home, I'm kind of by myself. And I kind of enjoy being by myself. There are a lot of people that are by themselves, and it's not really by choice. And there, there's issues with them and their family. Let me encourage you, and I'm going to do the same thing, too. Let's be as kind to each other as we can be, right? During the holiday season, let's really give the joy of the holiday season to each other. Let's be patient with each other. But remember, there are a lot of people out there that struggle with chemical dependency and alcoholism that use this time of year uh, to really kind of dig down deep in their pit of despair, you know, because, again, maybe they're estranged for their family. So if you're one of those people, I was once just like you, just like you, sat at home, didn't want to be around people, felt ashamed. Let me tell you this. If you have one of those people in your life, in your family, let me encourage you, pick up the phone and just call. And even if they don't answer, just leave a message and say, hey, I, I love you. I, you know, I don't talk to you as much as I'd like to. I don't see you as much as I'd like to, but I want you to know that I love you. And I'd love to see you this holiday season. If that means me coming to you or you coming to me, or maybe it's just something as simple as a FaceTime. I'd love to be able to see your face and be able to tell you that I love you. It's amazing how that stuff matters, because I can tell you there are so many people out there, so many people, that don't think that anybody truly loves them. And maybe you can ensure that nobody in your life ever feels that way. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.